0: Immediately, a man was nailed to the cross. He lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you will lose all yours, too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days, there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved from the White House to the jailhouse? I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with a Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. amen that's all you can say to that you want the power of God to come and live with inside you some people maybe don't they don't want that conviction of the Holy Spirit to get on them they don't want that that pesky Bible that's holding them back from getting more friends out there on Facebook or Twitter or being able to, uh, you know, go to the parties, do your own thing, have your own way in the world. And uh, here at the Removing Confusion podcast, it's not us. Here you're going to get what I've always given. An uncompromising word from the Bible. Every once in a while we mix in a little something, a little news that's worthy. Right now let's uh, turn our eyes and our hearts towards those that over in the Middle East and Turkey and Syria. Uh, last I heard, I haven't listened to the news too much today, I haven't heard anything, but the last we heard... That there was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake. That's a big one, folks. That's a big one. 13,000 people dead. And the constant uh, digging through rubble that will probably go on for who knows how long. To find hopefully more people alive. They found a baby. that I think it's separated from mom and uh, dug her out, you know, alive and well. That's a, that's the miracles that can happen even in this terrible destruction. But that just reminds us what Jesus said in Matthew 24, that there will be in the last days earthquakes in diverse places, in places that, you know, you don't expect them maybe now they've had some over there you know recently in the past I think and uh, but this is a big one this is a lot of loss of life you think about that 13,000 people so far that I know of and this is February the 10th of 2023 I'm sorry I didn't give you the date February the 10th 2023 and you know Like say, the searches are ongoing. The digging through the rubble. I mean, it's a to to put yourself in even the place of those rescue workers is very difficult to imagine. Because, folks, it's that's a that's a horrendous job to uh, find dead children those crushed by tons of brick and rock it's it's painful and in the west we just go on day to day not worrying about it but here I'm an independent Christian ministry there is no leash on me there is no religious pain wrapped around the necks of us there's no indoctrination center that's taken me aside and tried to turn me into something that I don't want to be we don't claim any denomination so you can call oh, he's an in- he's one of those interdenominational he's probably Catholic ah. no I'm not I said Christian I claim nothing. I may go to a specific type of church, but I do not hold to the specific denominational dogma. Is more like it than doctrine. It's almost some of these places turn into cults over periods of time. Here at removing confusion, just to remind you, if you are new with us, we have no subscription section. We have no paywall that we're hiding behind. And we don't play around with Patreon. I get paid nothing, literally, for doing this. Just the fact that God's looking out for us. God's helping us along as we go. Introducing the new Starbucks- All right, you can stop that. <laughs> we tackle the hard stuff. And we're going to tackle some of it today. And sometimes it's rather brutal the way that we go after them. And I don't mean to be mean spirited or come across as you know holier than thou or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not, uh, but I'll just say this: we we don't we don't take a back seat and and say, oh, I'm not going to talk about that because it'll upset people. There's a lot of stuff out there in Christianity today, the modern church as we look at it. And some folks will say, well, I don't go to one of those modern churches. We Sing hymns, and we have the King James Bible and all that still a modern church because most for the most part these places have uh, taken on some kind of a semblance of modernism you know they they uh, uh believe in some pretty wild things out there that when you start to dig deep into the Bible, they just don 't fit, but we do we battle. We battle those things. We tackle the hard stuff. It's like uh, the big thing is battling Satan and sin. You know, those are things that people don't talk about too much anymore. We we, you know, sinners saved by grace, past, present, and future, eternal security, once saved, always saved. Don't have to talk about sin anymore. Let me tell you something. If you fall into any of those categories, I'm not going to uh, poo-poo or kick, play kickball with your doctrines. I want you to trust in Jesus. That's where I want you to be. I want you to know that he is the one and the only way. Once you get that in your head, then we can talk about everything else basically get saved. (laughs) And that's another thing here that we believe in strongly, the saving of souls. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, you can't talk about him. Well, I just did, and I always will. You can't preach effectively. You can't lead people to the Lord effectively. You can't uh, work and walk in the Christian life effectively if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I know that that's not popular in some religions today. See, I said the word, or denominations. They want to say that you're not really indwelt with the Holy Spirit because some idiot wrote a book in a denomination that says it's not. He's not there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it. He's not there. He's not living within you. Now, that puts us in the Old Testament. Maybe that's where folks want to be. Maybe you want to be carried off into captivity because you haven't followed God's laws. That's what happened back then. And the Holy Spirit did not dwell within men. Uh, Peter, I believe, wrote and said that the Holy Spirit worked on through men or on men, but he didn't stay there. It's one of those things that's when you, when you get down into it, people don't really want to hear that stuff. They, they want to have their, their little denominational belief system. They want to, they want to just carry on and carry forward and, you know, whatever, whatever the preacher says, we'll, we'll go with that because he's got to be right. He went to college. He went to seminary. You know, he's, he's spent all of his time and his efforts and his money to get where he's at so he could make another paycheck doing all this. We don't fear anybody here at the Removing Confusion podcast. We don't have to. We're not paid by anybody. We're not held accountable by uh, some theologian somewhere. Now, I, I'm held accountable by the Holy Spirit and God himself. Really? I mean, I, I that's how I feel about it. If I make a mistake, it's because I'm a man, and I will make mistakes. We uh, aren't afraid to tip over those sacred cows that come with religion. People look... Fear has become a very strong factor in religion. Either you are pushed into fear or you're told not to fear God. I I fear God. Sometimes I say things and I'm very much... (laughs) Uh, did I go over the line with that one? But you know the modern church doesn't want you to uh, feel conviction for sin. they don't they won't even talk about it. They just want you to check a box, bring that simple sacrifice of a Sunday attendance so the preacher can feel good or the plate can get fuller. Check that box. Click. And then just go right back out into the world and do everything that you were doing before. People want to get entertained. They want jokes and they want uh, stories. They want to they, they get lies. They want a false gospel to keep them happy. Because if you're not hearing the Straight up, right at you, gospel of Jesus Christ. You're getting a false one. Keep it simple. Keep it short. You know, Paul would preach so long that fellows fell out of the windows and broke their necks, and he had to go out there and resurrect them right there in the street. There are people that I've, I've heard tell stories of going to places like China, Underground China, where they would get in there and they'd preach and preach and preach, and you know the people would just sit there. And he "How long should I go?" We'll just keep going. They might go two or three hours, so their voice is about ready to give out because they're not used to that. And what happened? Well, the guy said, "Well, what do you what do you want me to do?" And they said, "Come back, come back and preach some more." We, we want to hear that. Preach us the Bible. Just read it to us. That's all. We don't care. Just do it. And he says, well, when well, do you want me to do it? Tomorrow? Next week? No. We'll go home, have a little break, eat some rice, and we'll be back in two hours. You can start all over again. People are hungry, hungering and thirsting after what is in the Bible. Righteousness is what it says in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after Christ, they shall be filled. We don't know what that's like in the Western world. We don't talk about persecution. These people know persecution firsthand. They just want to, we just want to know about when we're getting out of here before anything bad happens. the modern church really doesn't want a message from romans or or peter's epistles where things get a little bit more pointed i've read it or i watched a video actually on a guy who i couldn't watch it all who tried to say that you know the 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 books of romans and books of first peter and and some other ones that had the the harder things in them uh they're not for the modern church see there you go Not for the modern church. The modern church doesn't get that stuff. It's not for them. Book of James was one. They they literally tried to take uh, from the canon of Scripture the Book of James out at one point in time, way back there. Because look at it. Faith without works is dead. Well, that's works-based. No, it's not. If you're saved and you know Christ and he lives within you, you want to do good works. You don't do them to get saved. You do them because you're saved. And if you have faith, and yet you can't seem to do the good works of God. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, to prove that I'm saved, I'm going to go ahead and you know give a $1,000 to the, the, my favorite charity out here. That's a good thing to do, by the way, you feed the homeless, you know, help help those that are downtrodden. Send off to a good ministry. But you don't do that to say, look at me, I'm saved. No, you just do it quietly. Let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing or vice versa. You know, don't give your alms, it says, out loud. Do it and be quiet. I've heard guys from pulpits stand there and say, I give this. I give that. I drop this. I do that. I don't. You know what? I don't care what you do. They just want you to to try to keep up with them or something. It makes me want to walk out. <clears throat> this kind of a church is not the one that was founded by Jesus and his apostles and disciples. This lackadaisical. Day-to-day, you know, I ah, don't feel like going this week is going to be the Super Bowl, I think. Uh, so how many people are going to make it? Oh, we're going to have our Super Bowl party. And I might not make it for the uh, evening service, if, if the church even has one. Do you think the people in the first century church ran out because they were having uh, the uh, – Uh, a lion-attacking Super Bowl at the Coliseum that week. I I can't think of a better way to put it. No, they didn't. They huddled together. They prayed for their, their neighbors. They prayed for themselves. They prayed for strength. They prayed for guidance. They prayed for more of the word. From these men that Jesus appointed and discipled, by the way. He didn't just throw the spirit at him and let them go. He discipled these men. They were called disciples. And they went out and made disciples. These people suffered. They suffered for what they believed in. But they they rallied in it. You know, they 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 didn't whine about the suffering paul Paul wrote about it over and over again about how he was shipwrecked and starved and <laughs> whipped and beaten and jailed and everything else stoned, but they sang in the deepest part of the of the jail. Paul and Silas sang hymns and they prayed. till the doors popped open and even the jailer got saved. But not with some little prayer, but with the explosive power of the Holy Ghost. Do we have that anymore? Do we see that? It's, you know, these invitations at churches that are so bland. Not very often, because that's exactly what it's become. Bland, monotonous, uh, well it's it's time for the invitation. We're gonna sing a hymn and we're gonna we're gonna talk to you for five minutes about blah 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 and then you know, nothing happened. The people are like, Well, let's get out of here. There is not one denominational group out there that will be the only one to inhabit heaven. There are some who think they are. There are some that think only they, because they have the lock on perfect doctrine. There's no such thing as man's perfect doctrine, only God's doctrine. Paul wrote about God's doctrine. But there's these ones out there that just claim, and they're, they're mainline Christian denominations too. You know, They think they're the ones, they're the only ones that are going to make it. My wife says sometimes I should watch what I say on my podcast. There might be somebody listening. It'll get upset. I let them get upset. When you get to the point where you think you're the only one, if you think you're the only church, if you leave one church because of a a disagreement with a human being somewhere along the line, and all you do is go find another of that denomination and start the whole process all over again, you're, you're you're not in a church anymore you've gotten yourself into a cult or at least into cultic thinking over the many years that I've 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 walked with the lord I've been in so many different kinds of churches i mean i'm telling you just i I won't even go into it but a lot i've seen a lot of the same things in all of them Let me tell you something. The body of Christ, and that's what the church is, by the way. The body of Christ is made up of many different parts. And you can see, you know, and I'll say this, from church to church, you know, even uh, or worship place to worship place, however you want to put it, congregation to congregation, you you have this – you know, each church, I would say, has its hands and feet and its eyes and its whatever. Because, you know, Paul wrote and said that, you know, the the body of Christ is made up of many different members. You know, when you cram that baby toe or that pinky toe into the uh, bedpost at night, when you get up in the middle of the night for whatever purpose, and you smash that toe into that bedpost and you're like Ugh! you realize just how important that little toe is the body of christ has little toes as well maybe those little toes are the ones that clean the church maybe those little toes are the ones that go out and you know silently do things in the background like knock on doors whatever you know there's there's a myriad of different things they may be doing but, you know, once they're gone, once you don't have them, you realize it's harder to walk all of a sudden. It's like one guy said, if you whack off a few of those toes, you know, you figure out that toes are important. And if you lose the big toe, he's imp- very important. I had a big toe that was really, I don't know what I did, I, I if I broke it or, or what, but it was like almost impossible to walk. I think I'd use a cane for a few days because that toe, that big toe, he's, he takes a lot of the weight of your walking. The body, when it has problems, and we see this in our, in our mortal bodies, you know, the whole of the body is there to sustain life. You know, the, the, even the toes, the, the, the thumbs, the pinkies, the eyes, the nose. And, you know, I, I realize, you know, some folks, maybe they don't have a foot or, you know, whatever, but you, you just take this as an analogy that you, all the parts are there for a reason. When the parts aren't there, you realize there's, there's something missing. When the internal organs, well, first off, when a body starts to die, and we're going to use this as an analogy for even a congregation in a church, when you can see it, it's starting to fade. When, the, when you look around and the people who did these little tasks are no longer there, Maybe it's a guy that drove a bus. Maybe it's the ones who cleaned the church. Maybe it was somebody who led the singing or someone who played the piano or so, you, the guy who met you at the door with a big, happy smile and shook your hand. When they're gone, you notice, hey, he's, he's not here. Now, everybody looked to that preacher as being the only one that held the place together. And a lot of them will let you think that's how it works. But when those other parts start to tick off, I, I, when I say tick off, not get ticked off, but they tend to, you know, all of a sudden they're gone. What do you do? I mean, what, what's you, do you notice it, or it, it right off the bat or, you know, what? But you do notice it. You notice that your church is starting to fade. And that's what happens to a body. Things that it doesn't need, it starts to shut down. You know, uh, when it's dying, the body will shut down the blood flow. God made our bodies in such an amazing way. You know, you're not using your arms and legs for the most part as you draw closer to death. So your arms, your extremities, your arms, your legs, they just... The, the blood flow is staunched. The, in, the inner part, that torso, the head, that's where the blood needs to be. They need, it needs more of it. It's not getting the oxygenation that it used to, so it's not going to waste it pumping it, clear out all this blood out into the legs and the arms. But then those internal organs start to also shut down the kidneys, the liver, you know, all these things start to stop. And when those kidneys, and specifically kidneys and liver, when they start to lose their functionality, the body then is being poisoned from within. And sooner or later, it will die. If the Western church doesn't wake up, If it doesn't get back on track, if it doesn't get the paddles out and shock itself back into life, get its heart rhythm going again in the correct direction, quit worrying about entertaining people. Quit worrying about cash flow. The same thing's going to happen to it. It's already happening. I saw in the news the other day Tucker Carlson made this statement just just in passing that church membership and church uh, affiliations even amongst young people only about forty forty four zero percent of young people even attend church once in a while. We'll say religiously. That means 60% of people, young people, say 40 and below, even think about going to church. Why? There's nothing there for them. People do want to hear the truth. Sometimes the stuff that we talk about might be a little bit more intense for a young believer. But if you are a young believer, I welcome you, and I'm willing to talk to you anytime you want we have a we have a drug problem in this country that's killing off a lot of our young people. The mortality rate amongst eighteen to forty nine year olds was up forty percent as well there there's a number huh 40% uptick in deaths between the work in in the working age people 18 to 49 and on the other hand only 40% even want to go to church those that die outside christ they have no other there's no there's two destinations heaven and hell you die outside christ guess where you're going but they want the truth. They, they're in their body, in their soul somewhere. They want the truth. They haven't maybe come to a realization yet one way or the other. Somebody hasn't talked to them, hit, hit them with a tract or or whatever uh, proselytization or, or evangelism that you can use. They haven't been welcomed to a church. Or they went to a church and they didn't feel welcome when they got there. Because they know they want something. Sin is ruining their lives. Sin keeps people mired in this deadly and detrimental circle of life. And it's a travesty. There are so many churches out there. But they all get confused about one thing. If I tell too much of the truth, people won't come. And that's a lie. We have to show people that temptation will always come, even after you're saved, specifically after you're saved. But we can detect these temptations through a real relationship with Jesus. And that real relationship hinges on some things. You know, like I say, do we dare even address sin in the church? (laughs) When you do in certain churches, people's ears really perk up because they start to think you're trying to remove them from their salvation. But Paul was very specific and he said that we do address the sins in the church. 1 Corinthians 1 and 29 says no flesh should glory in his presence, Jesus' presence, God's presence. In other words, we are here to glorify him. We are not here to for our own glorification in His presence, in His presence, when is that? Well, it's any time right now because He lives in our hearts or He lives in our souls. He's indwelt us, so now it's time to give Him the glory and take the 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 uh, the uh, spotlight off of me. First Corinthians one twenty nine: that no flesh should glory in his presence. 1 Corinthians 4.16. Don't you know you're a temple of God? That the spirit of God dwelleth in you. In you. For those who have decided to write books of, basically, to me, it's blasphemy. But that's that's not up to me to determine. That's up to God. But I read it very plainly: the Lord, His Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Let no man glory in man. First Corinthians four twenty 1 Corinthians five one through eight. Paraphrasing and moving along quickly on, it's an ongoing issue between these people here but there was a sin of incest between a son of a, of some fellow and his his stepmother this is going on in the church this is where we come to the realization that paul says sin like this needs to be called out sin of adultery sin of fornication He he gives the list of things that should not be going on in the church. Let me say it very plainly. You know, this rampant amount of divorce that goes on in churches should not be going on. We join ourselves together and take vows. And I'm going to tell you what, the life is never easy. There's always something. There's always a problem that can creep up and usually it's the man's fault, but you know, that's regardless of that, you know, two people, as much as they may love each other, will still have problems, but solve them. Go to the Lord in prayer. You know, they go to men and they're like, well, I, you know, it sounds to me like you guys need to break up, you know? Well, that's real good, isn't it? Now, 1 Corinthians 5, I don't want to sit here and read the whole thing, uh, but it is worthy of your attention of verses 1 through 8 where Paul talks about it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Now, this was probably a concubine, as they had in those days. The Corinthian church came from a background of deviant sexuality. I mean, let's that be straight with you. If you're, if you're uh, uh, old enough, you know you can understand what I'm saying. Most of us here are adults and they, they this didn't really bother them they hadn't really gotten the, the they weren't strong in their faith at this point evidently but what they were doing was they were being you know kind of complacent about it well hey look at us we're progressive we're progr- yeah. we're progressive we're we're going to let this go on because you know it shows how we are we are accepting anybody that's just like today homosexuals Sitting there holding hands and kissing in the pew. Well, hey, we're progressive. We're tolerant. Paul says, quit being tolerant. Quit being tolerant. You know, they were proud of their liberal stance, and Paul said, quit it. See, Roman law permitted this type of atrocity. Just like... You know, a lot of a lot of countries around the world today say abortion's okay. Homosexual marriage is okay. Drug use is getting to be okay. They're all sin. They're all sin. You can't just say, well, the government says it's all right so I can do it. As a Christian you live under the law of God. Now people are gonna say, You're teaching legalism. No, I'm teaching A very poignant fact. There are things that we do not do. Period. I think you know that. Your morality compass should at least point in the right direction. But you'll get a preacher who will come along and tell you it's okay, I'm sure. You can find one if you look hard enough. You won't find him here. The church should not, I'm sorry, The church should follow man's law. Romans 13 always comes to mind. But when man's law crosses that boundary that's set by God, no. We don't have to accept it. Now, you know, to stay away from homosexuality in the church and stay away from abortion and all that, that's not going to land you in the clink, you know, if you don't do it. It's just saying hey I, I that's man's law that I really don't agree with when they put a speed trap up and you get caught hey what are you gonna do you got caught you were you did violate the law and okay the the, the man says it's all right to smoke pot that doesn't mean it's okay for you God said to keep your mind sober vigilant because the devil, As a lion goes around seeking whom he may swallow whole. You get yourself all whacked out on the on the wacky weed and then you take a couple of pills on the backside and you know because it's legal or you go to the shoot up zone and and pop yourself some heroin. Then you stumble out in front of a bus and get killed. Don't blame God blame yourself. You can't even blame man. You should know better, Christian. You should know better. Pride comes into all these things. I can do this because it's okay with man's law. The judgment in this case that Paul has in First Corinthians five verses one through eight is pretty tough. When you read it, it's tough. It sounds tough. He says, Deliver him unto Satan. He's got to be taken out of the church. You know, get the get get whoever you have to get together, the deacons, the elders, the church body itself. <clears throat> He says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such and one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This fleshly thing that he's doing, it needs to be ended. It needs to come to a halt. Now, there's a lot of different thought on on, uh, what he means by destruction of the flesh. But what he's saying for sure is you got to get this guy out of the congregation for the period of time. Christ runs the church. He owns the church. He bought the church. He bought those real believers, true believers with his blood. And you can't serve two masters. He says deliver him unto Satan. This guy is doing something that is illegal in the eyes of God. If you're doing something that the the Holy Scriptures say very poignantly, you should not be doing. I don't care if it's what, those things we mentioned: homosexual, shacking up, drugs, drinking to excess. I don't, I don't think he, as a Christian you shouldn't drink at all. You're just feeding the the the. You're feeding the beast, folks. Unless you're making your own at home. But when you, every time you buy that bottle of wine, that bottle of liquor, that bottle of beer, you're you're helping fund those who make it so they can make more and kill people. It kills them. Addiction kills. You can't serve two masters. Christ owns the church. He cannot permit this type of activity to go on in his church. He wants it out. He wants it. Remember what it says? A, a, A bride a uh, clean, cleansed, and, and without blemish or spot. This is a big spot on the garment of the a bride of Christ. Christ owns the church. Guess who owns the world? Satan is the god of this world. Now, that doesn't mean he owns the world. The devil is God's devil. But because of man's fall... He gave up our dominion of the world, went to Satan. So he has a pretty good reign on what he can do here. We need to be able to infect the world for Christ or affect it. But we cannot allow Satan to run amuck in our churches. We can't just let open sinning. I mean, things that we know. I mean, everybody sins, right? We can't help it. It's just in our nature. But the open finger in the eye of God, sinning that goes on needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed vocally. Do it through prayer, of course. But vocally, it needs to be addressed. Because if it doesn't, It's a detraction and it's destruction of our faith around us. We we start to look at well if he can do it, I can do it. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh Paul says to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, turned turn him back into the world to hopefully hopefully bring about repentance. That's what we're really after when someone has fallen so deeply into the sinful lifestyle that can easily happen to anybody. We want them to get come to repentance, turn away from it. I'm not preaching. You're losing your salvation at this period at this point. I'm just saying you're not doing yourself any favors. If you want to live in sin, your you know a friend my buddy Dave Langford will say, Sin will take you further than you want to go. And I'll add to that, you won't even know you got there until it's too late. Paul also talked about church censure. It should be done with decorum. You know, people uh they gather together, and they talk about it. They tell the person they're getting ready to excommunicate from their services what the sin is. They made, make, make them aware of it. Make them aware. This is what is going on. We know it, and it has to stop but he really did. He wanted the repentance of the man and the church. If this thing or whatever that goes on in your congregation, no matter how large or small, if these things go on unchecked, sin can actually ruin a church. Sin will ruin a church. It will grow. It will fester. It will It will become the Tongly waggle of everybody around and then they'll like say there will be those who are maybe a little bit younger in the lord that's that look at and they see this that's going on they say well if you know he's doing it he's been here forever i'm gonna go i guess i could do that too whatever it may be drinking drugs fornication adultery whatever a little leaven, Paul says later in First uh, in, uh, Corinthians five. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What's that mean? Yeah, a lump of dough. You know, you can you can you can picture this if you ever done this. You make a you make a, a a dough. You know, you make the dough, flour and water and an egg or whatever, and you you mix that all up and you and you knead it into a nice little ball and you put it in a bowl. B o w l put it in the bowl and it'll just sit there. It won't do a thing. But then you take this little package of red yeast rice or what, what is that? What is that? Uh, 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 baker's yeast or whatever. And you pour that in there, sprinkle some of that in. And then you knead that into that, that little lump that you got down there. Maybe it's the size of a, of a baseball. And then you walk away and you come back in a little while, an hour, maybe. And the thing is, above the rim of the bowl. A little bit of yeast is what he's saying. A little bit of yeast will rise the whole lump. It'll infect it. It doesn't take a lot of that yeast to make that lump grow. And then the whole church is affected. And there's this breaking that can happen. That's what that's all. Satan is always after that. That's his end game. I say, if he can do it, why not me? I say if a pastor lets this stuff go on in his church, he ends up with multiple divorces in his church. People that think drinking and drugs is fine. So they just do it. You know, then they get to the point where they're too laid over. Was it hung over on Sunday to make it in or they're out looking for their fix. They indulge in things. and, And it's just, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't, It doesn't flesh out well. We need to indulge our things in the things of God. But then when they go the other direction, it's uh, why even come to church? You know, that place is full of hypocrites. Why bother with prayer and fasting and Bible study? (laughs) Don't need it you gave me everything i need i i said the 5 second prayer it's all over and good i'm i'm saved another another line i heard this one i, I, I like this one too you know cuz it it, it it directly goes to uh the flock right one scabbed sheep infects the whole flock So what's our takeaway? Sounds like a lot of downer stuff again, Tom. It's not though. You know, all we have to do is address things as we're supposed to. Do it with decorum. Do it with love. You know, you don't pick the guy up by the the, the shirt collar and in the, in the loop of his pants and throw him out the door. He has to be made known. But see, there's a problem that we just accept sin because, oh, well, we're sinners saved by grace. So we, we, you know, if we throw this guy out for sinning, we have to throw the guy out for smoking a cigarette. Or maybe he only has a a glass of wine once every six months. He's got to go too. No, that's not the same thing. It's really not. If you jump over... One chapter in, in Corinthians, and we're going to do that in a heartbeat. <sighs> society, the society in Corinth didn't have any issue with the stuff that was going on or this sexual deviancy that this guy was involved in. And society today is getting that way too. The society here in the United States, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any problem with anything. We have people having sex on the streets. And some of our major cities that that they're openly shooting up drugs in it, right on the street, their major cities, smoking dope, shooting up heroin, uh, urinating and everything else right out in the open in front of kids and everything. Well, you can't help it. That's, that's Okay. we've watered down our gospel till it's almost no gospel at all. And really, a watered-down gospel is no gospel at all. You can't change the gospel to fit your life. You have to change your life to fit the gospel. Men would, they'd rather wink at the sin that is open than openly address it. If you have somebody that's openly With a serious sin issue, is active in the church, he's often just left alone. You know, it's not easy to get good, godly workers in your church. It's not easy, but it can be done because it is up to the older members if they've been discipled correctly, which most have not anymore to find those who have and disciple the younger ones or those that are less, less you know, the, the, uh, the ones of the babes that are still drinking milk need discipled as well, even if they've been at it for 40 or 50 years. They, uh, they just want to let things go. Discipleship is, is the agent of change teaching right living can lead to righteousness oh righteousness you're you're talking about being perfect no our righteousness is in jesus and in him alone but we don't even have preachers too much anymore there are some i'm going to say that openly here i i don't, I don't want to be a painting with a broad brush but a lot of them don't teach righteousness, they don't teach repentance, they don't teach sin or staying away from. They just say, well, you're going to sin, so just go ahead and do it. Ask God for forgiveness later. But when these things are continuing to go on in our churches, the church just becomes an anemic, lethargic thing. The membership doesn't look any different than the world does. The membership of the church doesn't look any different than a worldly club like the the Elks, the Eagles, the whatever, the American Legion, anywhere there's a bar. 1 Corinthians 6. I said I'd read it. I shall. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9. Let's go for it. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Doesn't that tell you that you need to try to work towards righteousness? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of god and paul says this is a nice little caveat to them and such were some of you but ye are washed but ye are sanctified but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's that list. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. That's just one of Paul's lists of talking about sins that lead into death. Sins that take you from being a child of the King or a child of God to just looking like the rest of the world. There's three words throughout our salvific walk. You probably heard them if you've been around the church long enough, and especially if you're a Baptist or. Calvinistic bent. But they're all they fit all. Justification, that's where Jesus justifies you with his blood. For your sins, it cleanses you. Sanctification is an ongoing working throughout the rest of your life really. Of making us stronger in Christ. Learning, developing and becoming uh, Aspiring towards righteousness And then there's glorification That's the end That's the end result You leave this world one way or the other And you go to be with the Lord Forever there be with him So let's look at it again Three simpler words That go along Salvation Repentance And goodness Obedience Obey him to the best of your ability, and your life will be so much better. Till next time, Tom Richardson Removing Confusing Podcasts. And I'm